This is Spade, Spoon, Soul, a podcast about all the ways food intersects with our faith, from seed to spade to spoon. Hi, I am Bishop Jennifer Baskerville Burroughs in Indianapolis, the seat of the Diocese of Indianapolis, and I come to you from the ancestral lands of the Kickapoo and the Kaskasia tribes, among several others here in Indiana. We're so delighted that you are with us for our podcast today. I'd like to introduce my co-conspirator, Brian. And I am blessed to uh, work with the Diocese of Olympia in Western Washington State and serve as the agrarian missioner. And I'm also able to help coordinate the Good News Gardens um, movement within the Episcopal Church. And I live on the eastern slope of the Cascade Mountains in Washington, um, on the land of the Yakima. Today our guest is Christian Barron from the Order of Necratius. But um, a Christian um, is an Episcopal priest and co-rector of two parishes. I'm looking for a third one if you need, <laughs> need him. Um, he serves St. Philip's in Beulah, Michigan along with uh, Church of the Holy Trinity, uh, with his wife, Jody, they're co-rectors of these churches. And um, I met Christian back when he was in seminary at the Seminary of the Southwest a long time ago when his three now teenage daughters were all in grade school. And uh, so it's great to be back together with him. Uh, he grew up in Michigan and has lived in Iowa previously. and. Texas, of course. And he also happens to think that The Big Lebowski is the greatest film of all time. And he doesn't understand why people order sour beer in breweries. He misses Jerry Garcia and John Prime, but he's sure that they are making St. Peter's bone shake. <laughs> um, he likes to fish more than anything else. And we're going to actually release this pod a day earlier than than we normally would. We're going to release it on the feast day of St. Peter, who happens to be, of course, you know, the patron of fishermen, and by extension, the patron of fish. Christian, uh, welcome. Fill in some holes for me before we start firing questions to at you. Tell us about the order. Tell us about Necratius. Well, so Necratius... Um lived in the fourth century in what is now Turkey and was the brother to Macrina was his sister and Basil the Great and Gregory of Nyssa. So all four of them are saints. And then their mother also, I don't remember her name, but she was also a saint. So uh, all of the iconography that I've found is the kind of the family tree. If actually, if anybody is a uh, uh, writes icons, I'd love for somebody to write an icon of Necratius. So we'd have a, um, have an image of him. But so, you know, while his brothers and sisters were theological and philosophical heavyweights, um, Necratius was a practical theologian and he hunted and he fished in the wilderness and he fed an elderly community that couldn't provide for themselves. So, and there are conflicting recordings about how he died, either some say hunting and some say fishing. Either way, it's a coin toss. I think those are both great ways to go. I love that. I feel like Necratius comes from a, a family, and I know all the rest of the relatives, but I haven't heard as much about him. So, so yeah. delighted that we'll get to dive in a little bit more about that today. But before we do, can you tell us, Christian, where are you? We'd like to ask about where you're rooted. And so we talked a little bit before we began about where you are in Michigan, but tell us 
a little bit more about it. Paint us a picture of where you are. The the Michigander in me is wants you to hold your hand up and the mitten, right? And so I'm in the pinky. So Northwest Lower Michigan. We're about 45 minutes west of Traverse City and about two hours from Grand Rapids. So um, we're out there. And uh, anytime we need anything more than gas or uh, McDonald's, we're driving, we're driving a ways. So it's, it's a very rural town. In the summer, actually, the the population about quadruples because it's a huge resort area. You know, we're on the coast and um, folks, a lot of folks come here from Chicago and that's a throwback from a long time ago when the ships used to make their way up the Michigan coast and then folks would, you know, this was one of the stops. So, Well, that's really helpful to understand how that came to be. Um, we had gone to a goat farm in Maple City, not too far from Traverse City, well, the year before last, and it was just wonderful. Such beautiful country up there, truly. Hey, Christian, um, talk a little bit about how God's creation nourishes your soul. Spending time outdoors for me has always been a kind of a staple and just kind of a, a, a way of being. I spent a lot of time out. <laughs> I don't tell my mom, but they used, my mom used to lock us outside in the summertime and we'd go get into all kinds of trouble, but we'd be out in the woods and we'd be hanging out and, um, and causing lots of mischief and trouble. But uh, when I was in high school, I was invited to go on a trip out west to the Rocky Mountains in, in Denver, Colorado. And uh, we went on a backpacking trip. And that's really when I fell in love with the outdoors in a, in a unique way, in a way that I hadn't before. So, I mean, I fished maybe as a boy, as much as anybody else did, um, or spent, spent time outside maybe as much as anybody else did. But um, on that trip, trip to Denver, um, things changed for me in a, in a way that I've not, I've not changed back yet. So I like to spend time outside. So especially, you know, as you kind of joke, you know, we've got these two churches, my wife and I, and it's a, it's a lot of work. It's good work. And I'm not, it, it occupies a lot of mental space and mental time. And so sometimes the um, just the act itself of going out on Lake Michigan and, and fishing is prayer. The it, it keeps my hands busy and it keeps my mind busy. And in some ways, it's the only time that my mind is blank. Wow, that's wonderful. You know, I'm thinking about fishing and my husband, who's from the Bahamas, comes from a fishing family. It's a little bit different fishing in the Bahamas <laughs> than it is up in Michigan. But can you tell us, like, what would a typical day like be for you out fishing or, or hunting? What's, what's that yeah. like? You know, I think it is. I think you're right. It's pretty odd the the way that we fish on Lake Michigan or the Great Lakes compared to other places. It might be similar to ocean fishing. You know, I haven't done a lot of that, but um, until you fish the Great Lakes, it's um, you know people don't understand. Uh, I don't mean that in a condescending way, but they don't understand like the the whole ball game so mostly it's a boat ride you know like you get in the boat um if you go in the morning you get up before you want to be on the water before the sun comes up while it's still dark and then you just sit and the captain sets the lines and so you can have in michigan you can have three rods and lines per person so usually there's three of us and so you have nine rods and then you're trolling and so you're you're driving through the water at a you know the the rate of speed that salmon like which is about 2.7 miles an hour. And then you sit and you talk and you watch your lines. And when one of the rods 
when when you have a fish on then then you fight the fish and the captain usually gives that to the new person on the boat and uh, they get to catch their first salmon or lake trout so you've given me a new understanding i think i run at the speed of salmon so i'm gonna (laughs) take that away it's kind of slow meditative running but um but yeah that's that's quite a day so sort of following the the contours of the the sun and just waiting out there and seeing what comes yeah, and we, you know, you usually fish till, if you fish in the morning, you fish till noon, you know, um, 11 o'clock or noon or one sometimes. Sometimes people fish longer, but I don't have a bathroom on my boat, so it's a small boat, uh, so you can't stay out there all day. But then uh, otherwise, we, uh, if you fish in the evening, you go out at about four o'clock and you fish until dark, you know, and so you usually first light and last light is the most action of the day. Not always, but usually, and so you, you don't want to miss those windows. So, and a good day of fishing is you can you can keep five big lake species per person. So uh, maybe the best day of fishing that I've ever had is twelve fish or thirteen fish, something like that, uh, on my own boat. The the professionals, the charter guys, they they can catch a lot more fish than I can. So, so tell us about the epiphany of Necratius, the order of Necratius. What? Tell us how that happened. Oh. Um, you know, I was in seminary in Austin, Texas, and if you've ever been to Austin, Texas, it's wonderful, and it is hot. It is so hot. So you spend a lot of time outside uh, under a fan, maybe with a cold beverage, and um, so uh, my best friend, Rod Clark, is also a priest, and he's a priest in McAllen, Texas, and uh, and we were sitting out on the porch, as we often um, often did, and uh, and talking about lots of different kinds of things. So he, he grew up pretty similarly outside. He was kind of a sailor, but also did fishing and hunting and things like that. So we were talking about, uh, you know, I'd never been to Texas and what kind of hunting did they do there? And he said, well, you know, they have these, there's a problem actually all over in the South, especially in the South with these wild hogs. And they do lots of damage to the roads and they dig up roads and they dig up fences. And uh, so a lot of farmers and ranchers they, they want to just get rid of them. And so they'll shoot them and they'll just throw these animals to the buzzards. And, and that never seemed quite right to me, you know, um, especially since I worked with refugees before I went to seminary. And I knew that, uh, that there are human beings that could eat this God-grown protein. And so that's kind of how this idea kind of got um, concocted. And uh, we were going to go on a pig hunt. So we met with uh, the seminary um, president, Cynthia Kittredge, who's fantastic and wonderful and uh we said uh, cynthia we've got this idea we need your help we need the seminary's help we're going to go and harvest these pigs but then we need to bring them back here and we want to be able to process them in the seminary kitchen and she said absolutely not uh, <laughs> uh that will never happen at the seminary and so that was it was good for us to hear that but uh but it also you know, that's kind of how the idea got got born and um we didn't get any pigs on our pig hunt, but uh, then it, Rod does a lot more with hunting down in, in Texas than I do, and I do a lot more with fishing up in Northwest Michigan. So um, there are a few other chapters. I think that some other seminary friends uh, had something cooking in San Antonio. I'm not sure how active that group is. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of how Necratius was, the idea of Necratius was born. And credit to Rod, Rod is the one that found out uh, about Saint Necratius, and that's kind of how we um, gave the name to gave the name to the work that we were doing. So, 
Well, we'll have to get the two of you on together one of these days. Didn't didn't you did you guys were you the guys that started the uh, barbecue uh, competition <laughs> at Southwest? Yeah, we we did. That was another uh, porch idea, I think. And you know, we I think we ran three barbecues. It was fantastic, and we had maybe at the height of it, maybe 15 teams. And uh, I think in my three years there, or maybe we only had two, I can't remember, but I think we raised about 10 grand for Episcopal Relief and Development. It was a lot of work, kind of like hunting and fishing. It was a lot of work, and but, but it was great. And all that we asked from the Seminary of the Southwest is that they make a bronze statue of Rod and I in the parking lot, and that has not come to fruition either. But uh, I don't understand why not. I, I really don't. <laughs> That's right. Can I just say you are blowing my mind? I, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Whether it's the, the 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 wild hogs in Texas or the big barbecue competitions, I just I had no idea all of this was happening. Or yeah. still, I mean, that's just crazy and wonderful. And you know, this connection between those who don't have food mm. and food going, you know, we waste so much food. And actually, um, as I was, I, I presented for the the joint um convention for eastern and western michigan this past weekend and um in in my research i found out that there are about um almost 700,000 hunting licenses that are purchased in michigan a year and about um a, a million and 300,000 fishing licenses so that's about 2 million licenses purchased um and then as i was looking at the other side of the coin there are about 2 million people who are in the Alice population and um, under the federal poverty um, line. So uh, there are about 2 million hunters and anglers and 2 million people who can't afford to um, get healthy protein for themselves. And so the whole idea of Necratius is to connect hunters and anglers with their communities and to feed one another. So we're pretty proud of the work that we do. And, and it's most, mostly other people that do the work. I mostly just stand around and, and make wise, wise cracks. So, you know, I think it reflects this disconnect that we are all about trying to put back together between where our food comes from and where, you know, what lands on our plates or not. And it's a, it's a harsher reality. I talked to my son who's 11 almost about how to be a compassionate carnivore. And that there is something of that we value as people of faith around understanding the gift that creation provides us in many forms to eat. And animals can be a part of it if that's a part of your diet. And there's a way to be connected to it in a way that honors the animal and the process that it takes to get from the wild to the plate that we should not be ignorant about. Absolutely. In fact, even before that night on the porch with Rod and I, we had an ethics paper that we had to write. And uh, my paper was on um, a meat eating ethic. It was wonderful to explore that. And where I landed was um, the best meat eating ethic is to not eat meat at all. Um, I think it's the best for the human body. I think it's best for the environment. But not everybody can do that, right? Uh, including me. And so the more connected we are to our food, I think the better off we are, especially um, food that's sustainable and meat that's sustainable, meaning, you know, we're not, we're not planting deer, right? We're not, God is growing these animals, right? And uh, it's not fully true for salmon, you know, salmon are not indigenous to Lake Michigan. They were planted in the fifties and sixties, and now they're planted every year, but um, God still grows them once they're, once they're in the lake. Uh, I think that that's the second best meat eating ethic is to, eat meat that you've collected yourself, 
Maybe the third tier would be um, a connection to your farmer, whether it's a neighbor or a, um, uh, a local farm, right? And then the, the, the bottom of the the bottom of the barrel is is to eat meat that is grown in a, a factory farm that's terrible for the environment, terrible for the animals, and not great for human beings. So, and just to put all the cards on the table, I do eat meat from factory farms sometimes. You know, um, uh, my goal is to eat less and less and less of that um, in order to be a healthier human and to to value that life that uh, that God has created. So, um, one, you know, one of the things we also talk about a lot is sacred blood. Um, the, which is, you know, I, I hope it's not too gruesome or gory, but, um, you know, the, the meat that we eat was alive and had, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, I'm sure, but it had, it had blood coursing through its veins. Right. And as people who eat meat, we, people who choose to eat meat, we choose to take a life and we've got to be able to square that with God somehow. And people will do that in their own way. But, um, I don't like to kill the fish that I eat. I'm a terrible hunter, but times where I have harvested protein as I've hunted, I do not like to do that. And that's not the case for everybody. I mean, you certainly see folks out there that are, what's his name? Uncle Ted Nugent, right? I mean, these, these guys are, that's that's not what we're doing. Necratius isn't a hiding spot for people in church to come in and run the NRA, you know, like the, that's not what we're doing. But that, that, that blood in those animals is sacred and it, it gives us life and it gives us the strength to carry out the work of the kingdom of God. So I, I noticed, I think on your logo or something um, that I've seen, uh, that you take, bless, break, and give. Talk, yeah, that's, talk that's to us about familiar, those. Brian? Yeah. Familiar? <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> you know, I joked um, at this conference this past weekend. I mean, anything that is worth um, keeping in the church has been ripped off by from some other generation, you know, and we ripped this off from Jesus, I guess. And, and Jesus, maybe uh, apparently the fourfold and Afro was ripped off, you know, from um, appropriated from Jewish culture. So the, the fact that we collect the fish, right, the we take it, right, we take it. And a lot, oh, I should say, most of the protein that we get, we collect at big tournaments um, along the lakeshore. So professional tournaments where we go and we put coolers out and folks donate their fish and we, we collect thousands of pounds of protein every year that way. But that's part of the taking, right, is the taking, the fisherman is taking it, the hunter is taking it, they're bringing it in, they're gathering it, they're collecting it. You know, they're, they're thanking God for it. They're blessing it, right? They're breaking it, meaning they're filleting the fish or they're quartering the deer or they're, you know, they're, they're processing it, right? And then we're distributing it. So th this, is, this is mimicked in all kinds of ways all over creation and culturally. And, uh, and this is just one other way that we do it. I just love the integrity with which you're sort of holding these values together, and they are so deeply rooted in our tradition. I think it's um, we, we meaning just humanity, we can do a really good job of compartmentalizing things so that we could talk about the blood of Jesus, but not the blood that comes forth from an animal that we eat to keep ourselves alive. And both, I mean, so many preaching avenues, so many teaching avenues to take from just that that aspect of it alone. It's really rich. We talked a little bit about the barbecue that happens or has that was germinated when you were at Seminary of the Southwest. Tell us about the meal that you love to make that just makes you sigh with, you know, just makes you happy. What's your comfort food? 
not everybody can see me, but as you can tell, I don't pass up many meals. Um, I, I do. I love to eat smoked salmon. It is so delicious. Uh, if it's done, if it's done well, it is um, about the perfect, uh, perfect food. I think you don't have to keep it refrigerated. You know, it can stay out for a while. It's salty. Um, it's a little bit sweet if you put some sugar in it and, uh, and you can mix it. Actually, yesterday we had, we made, what did we make? We made salmon bisque last night. And, uh, Joe, my wife, Jody said to me, Oh, next time we got to put smoked salmon in it rather than baked salmon. And, um, and we're going to try that, but it definitely smoked salmon is about my favorite. Well, it sounds wonderful. I might want to get that bisque recipe. We, we are all about this segment here too. In fact, I keep thinking my son needs to learn how to fish because we can't afford to keep buying it at the rate he would love to eat it. So that's wonderful. Hey, this is a, you know, now we need to know for people who are interested in, in your work, you know, what are some of the resources? Um, maybe we need you to, to uh, uh, post your, your paper from the Seminary of the Southwest uh, for people who need to ponder sort of uh, the ethics. What are some resources and um, any shameless plugs? I know you love sour beer, so if there are any flavors you especially like, you can let us know about that. So... You know, we do have a website and a Facebook page. So the, the website is www.order of Necratius West Michigan. So onwm.org. And you can find us on the on the Facebook page too, but Necratius is kind of spelled like Necratius, I-U-S. Goodness gracious, St. Necratius is what we always say so that people can remember how to say it. But um I do not want to try and drag up that old ethics paper. I, um, you know, I, I think people would be able to see what kind of a student I am. Um, I do want to say, you know, we, we've had comments from people. And I should say I have three daughters and they're vegetarians. You know, I am, uh, I, am, I am not a meat pusher, you know, but we've had comments from clergy who have said, and I quote, any ministry that is, you know, killing animals for Jesus is no is no ministry of the church, you know, and I, I get that. I, I get that, um, that folks have a different ethic than, than I do. And then other people, and I make space, I make space for vegetarians and for vegans. And I, um, my hat's off to those folks. So, um, but if, you know, speaking about our history and our past as a church and as a people in general, we've eaten meat forever. We've eaten meat forever. So I don't know if that's if that's exactly what you're asking, Brian, but I think folks do need to wrestle. They need to wrestle with where is my food coming from? Does my pork chop come from my backyard or does it come from a styrofoam plate that that came from, you know, Walmart? Uh, folks are going to need to wrestle with that. And um, as Episcopalians, I think we are we are required to think about those things about where that food comes from. And it's, I mean, I, I can appreciate that, Christian. Food is so culturally bound, and there are these habits that we've come into or grown into, and the foods we like, and the foods we prefer, and the foods we choose to adopt over time. And so I would hope that this opens the way to conversations that we don't often have in public. We, you know, we don't judge our food choices, but I think there, it's an interesting conversation to have about how we've come to eat the things we eat and how do we procure it, especially knowing that, as we some, sometimes know, like there are ways in which choosing to eat like the way we do, eat less meat, but to know, to pay a little bit more to get it from a farmer who is 
um, producing the meat in ways that are in line with our values. But it, you know, there was a journey to get there to say, well, we're not going to eat the way I grew up, which is meat at every meal, because we don't want to make that choice anymore and, and pay the pay with that cost. So those are intimate conversations, but yeah. I think it's a fullness of how we are together, being in relationship across all kinds of ways that this kind of um, ministry invites us into. I can't. I'm, I'm thinking of a farmer right now, someone we probably need to interview, uh, Johanna Douglas, um, who has a farm on Martha's Vineyard called Fork to Pork. And she drives around Martha's Vineyard and picks up um, food scraps and feeds them to her pig. She's thought through the ethics. She's got a, she has these great relationships with her, her pigs and hogs. You know, uh, she also happens to be a PK or a BK. Her dad's the Bishop of Connecticut. Check out the uh, Fork to Pork uh, Insta and Facebook, beautiful pictures. But, you know, she's really thought that through in terms of knowing also that a livestock can contribute quite a bit of methane. We've been talking about methane the last few days, uh, given that uh, this is we're recording this during COP. And, um, you know, I think it's something, you know, we need to consider. And, and uh, we need to, if we uh, can't eat all of our food, um, you know, we need to share it. It needs to be rescued and given to other people, or we need to feed it to our animals, or we need to compost. But the last place we need to put it in is, is a landfill. And um, I think we have some healthy conversations uh, in our future on this podcast and hopefully throughout the church. My, my chickens, uh, they get their their summer fill of salmon carcasses, I tell you what. So um, oh, I bet those eggs are amazing then. Man. <laughs> I mean, talk about the omega-3s. I mean, I I, um, (laughs) am. Anyway, I I wish we had so much more time. I have a thousand more questions. Back in 2000, the early aughts, um, I mean, I love this conversation because in the early aughts, we were not quite ready for it. I had put up a resolution for our diocesan convention to source as much food as possible from local sources. So here we are surrounded by farms and deer and wildlife. And we couldn't we couldn't actually live into the resolution because the hotel couldn't make it work. And it just, the thing is that when we come together, just a few or, so, or many, the impact we make is just exponential, which means the opportunity for change is exponential if we can figure out how to do it. And so the work that you do in the Order of Necratius, I think is a helpful reminder of this huge piece that we'd rather not think about, about the protein sources and how do we find a way to feed ourselves and keep our planet healthy. Um, That's in such a timely conversation always, but especially now. All right, I think we're at the end of time. I'm so sorry, I wish we had another hour. I just think um, there's gonna be a great meetup at some point where we can just spend days eating and diving into all of these conversations. But I want to thank you for being with us today, Christian, and hope that um, as we wrap up this episode that folks will find their way to our Facebook page. The Spade Spoon Soul Facebook page is a great place to keep abreast of all these great conversations. We'll have some of the links that Christian mentioned to us in the show notes so that you can follow along and um and dive deep into this way of thinking about food and where it comes from. And if you want to be in touch with us, we hope that you will email us at spadespoonsoulpodcast at gmail. 
www.thepublicgoodsmarket.com. I'm really excited that the public is going to get to enjoy this podcast on uh, the Feast of St. Peter. And and so thank you, Christian, uh, for sharing. And thanks to our uh, producer, Derek Weston, who does it all. And uh, we're so grateful to him and to our fellow uh, podcast, which also happens to be a bit of our muse, the Food and Faith podcast that he does with Anna Wolfenden and San Camlin. And I'd also like to uh, thank for our logo art, uh, Jay Seidbach. Uh, many of you know him uh, from the Church Pension Group's calendar. He did a, a really nice, uh, I wouldn't say a caricature, but a little bit of American Gothic of the three hosts. And also to my brother-in-law, Ryan Lee, uh, who provided the groovy music that uh, takes us in and takes us out. Well, until next time, we hope that you will find ways to connect your soul to your spade or spoon or both. Be well, friends. 